Welcome back to the Quiet On Set podcast. My name's Lachlan and uh, this is odd. This is really weird. Uh, Ewan, how does it feel to be on the other side? Um, it feels really sunny here. Uh, I don't know. Really <laughs> sunny? Yeah, no, we've actually we've actually just swapped places. Yeah. I am now in Switzerland mm-hmm. and Ewan's now in Australia, um, which is why I am hosting uh, or at least opening this podcast. Uh, Ewan will probably start to become the alpha and take away the podcasting hosting rights. Why am I uh, shrinking? Oh my God, I'm shrinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, welcome, Ewan. Hello, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? You're good. I don't know why I I increased like an octave right there when I asked you that. It's because we've swapped places and you have to have a high voice like me. Yeah, I'm hanging upside (laughs) down now, right? It's uh, like... Yeah, hanging upside down and that makes your voice higher. (laughs) What are you, Batman? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't tell them don't tell them you know we don't, don't, tell them. We don't have um, any skyscrapers here so i can't be batman um officially. you don't have skyscrapers in switzerland um we find that offensive because it scrapes the sky are you guys just like full of <laughs> cottages yes i'm <laughs> thinking i'm are. thinking switzerland is like like some like 18th century like huts and like you guys <laughs> just snowboard on like wooden planks that are just not okay anyway anyway um Welcome to the podcast. Uh, today we're doing a, a new style of podcast. Um, no, not style, I guess, different theme. Yeah. Uh, and it's what we're going to call a Roll It Again podcast, where we actually go back and we look at a film, um, probably something maybe of uh, interest in terms of how big it was or how impactful it was. Um, and this week it's Do the Right Thing. Um, a lot of factors have come into doing the right thing, uh, or do the right thing, the movie and why we're doing it. I mean, one, the current climate of, uh, what's going on in the world. Uh, and two, last week, uh, Spike Lee's new film came out, uh, Defied Bloods. We have a podcast on that. Go check that out if you're interested. Um, we don't dive too deeply into it, um, but we just give you a, a basic layer of coat because I think it's something you should experience yourself. Yeah. Go see it um, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So... Do the right thing. I think what we should kind of do is explain what we're going to do in this. What do you reckon? Um, like how we're going to break down the film? Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to introduce the film to you in a second. And um, then we will go over to our own little hosted segments in which we uh, looked specifically Ooh. at uh, one specific part of the filmmaking. Uh, this week, uh, you are taking a look at music and score. And I I was taking a look at the cinematography especially. Um, and yeah, we have our little segments and after that we are just talking about the movie a bit, um, more openly and, and generally, uh, but yeah, I mean, by the way, spoilers ahead. Spoilers um, ahoy. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, in the future we are going to get a bit more spoilery with our reviews, uh, yeah. whether it be uh, roll that again, or maybe that will be, uh, like a, a film review that just came out. Yeah. yeah new releases mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it spoilers do suck. I don't think spoilers ruin a film. Um, I think if we can delve into stuff deeper, it gives you a better understanding, and I think it adds a bit more. Uh, adds another layer to our conversation. Yeah. So um, it's not just movie good, <laughs> and a, and a, yeah, yeah, you know, movie but good. Ooh. That being said, movie bad. <laughs> you really should see Do the Right Thing. Uh, it's a great yes. film to see. Yes. So um. I don't know. If you don't care about spoilers, I guess you can watch it. It, it still works if you know the story, but I, I, we strongly recommend watch a movie first, then come back and listen to uh, our smooth voices <laughs> doing the right thing. Uh, do the right thing. Watch, watch think, do I the think, right thing and then do the right thing and come back, you know? 
lots of steps. All right, let's uh, let's 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 that, give five seconds for those people to pause mm-hmm. and what do the right thing. They're watching you right now. Yeah. Wow, are you done? They're experiencing do the right thing right now. Hang oh, on, hang on. I, 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 well, some people some people are pausing to have a midway pee break and um, and welcome back, welcome, welcome back, back to the Quiet Unset podcast. How you doing? Uh, hope you enjoyed do the right thing. Oh, welcome back, Ewan. Did you did you watch do the right thing? No, I just went pee, but uh, yeah. Oh, you went pee? Yeah. yeah well, pee. same. Um, so, did you want to introduce do the right thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, do the right thing yeah. is a, a movie from nineteen um, eighty nine from Spike Lee. Uh, I, I have some more data on that just because I like that. I mean, it's shot in color, so that's important to uh, preface here color. because we might be watching some movies that might not be in color, you know? Um, it's, a, it's a movie made by a man of color, and it's in color. <laughs> important. Um, yeah, it's also shot on uh, 30, um, 35 millimeter. It's about, well, I guess I'm just going to read the logline uh, right here, which says, on the hottest day of the year on the street in Bedford, <laughs> shit <laughs> in Bedford no go on no, yeah, no. Oh, read shit. the log line I definitely didn't read the log I definitely line didn't and read then the say hey before. you and do you want to do you want to read the log line because I am not going to fuck up that say <laughs> you're doing that the first time I'm just going to say Bedford alright <laughs> redoing that um, on the hottest day of the year on the street in Bedford uh in the section of Brooklyn, <laughs> everybody's hate and bigotry sm- um smothers and builds until it explodes into violence that's wow. such a great logline if it wasn't for that word that I yeah. can't pronounce. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to put that into TTS and I'm, I'm going to let that, let it like a mechanical voice you're gonna, read it you're, out. You're gonna, yeah, you're I'm gonna not going to redo it, but I, I might just edit Ask it in. Siri how to read it out. Yes. Oh yeah, nice. Perfect, perfect. In, even in UK English, you know. Uh, all right, actually, I want to do the same thing. I want to, I want to. Stuyvesant. All right. <laughs> Stuyvesant. Stuyvesant. He says in I would not have been able to pronounce it. Stepford Stuyvesant. Well, that that was the British guy. Bedford Stuyvesant oh, yeah. is is what she says in. Right. Oh, okay. But anyway, Bedford Stuyvesant. Good, good that we know that. Good that we cleared that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. move on. Hundred percent, man. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, I think let's just do a uh, a general talk about it, and then we'll dive into some interesting things. So uh, straight off the bat, what's your opinion on this film, man? I like it a lot. It's great. You it's like art. It a lot? It's it's an art film. Um, it's a uh, it's a very um, well, I wouldn't say odd. I would say quirky, but that's just Spike Lee style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know very what I mean? stylized. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Um, you are. Do you find that? Um, Spike Lee, like he he, while he is a very stylized thing, he doesn't really like he does have a lot of substance to his film. He's not style over substance, mm-hmm. oh, um, and that's something yeah. I like about Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you mm-hmm. you yeah. don't mind like like obviously he does have that one shot. I'm just gonna delve it because you are gonna talk about cinematography, but I do want to bring up one thing I really like about uh, this film. It's when he does uh, one of the monologues, and the camera is uh, in a two shot of um, two characters, and then it and then it kind of handheld goes into a like a like a perspective shot and you got the actor talking directly down the lens yeah and doing a monologue I, I i fucking really love that man i fucking really love <laughs> it's that. probably the most iconic shot from the film um oh, 100%. just because you can you can watch it without the context and it's it's pretty much the same just because that, that film is such a, like a, um it, it tries to be really realistic in in the way that it doesn't um sugarcoat 
uh, racial tensions and that explosion yeah. of like racial slurs directed at you the viewer is, is really effective yep um but yeah uh, let, let's just jump into my hosted segment then because we we are starting to yeah. talk about the cinematography we can talk about good the film segue a bit more, let's go um generally afterwards so uh let's get some trivia on our cinematographer because cinematographers they they don't get the love they deserve you know um so the cinematographer oh it depends if you're if you're roger deakins you get a lot of love i mean but he's literally pretty much the only person that maybe god. a general he's pretty much audience. god yes yes he is <laughs> <laughs> thank you roger deakins you are the greatest thank you uh, roger deakins i believe in you <laughs> but yeah not a lot of love for uh for um, cinematographers next to directors that are like really famous just because you attribute everything to them and um this has been yeah like uh, ernest dickerson which he, he is the cinematographer for this um worked really closely with spike lee um on this film um there's there's like a lot of behind the scene shots where spike lee is like right next to the camera and they're like communicating a lot you can obviously see um and it is always great to see when uh the director gets to um gets to work well with a cinematographer because it really shows uh, in the final product um and they they worked on a few projects uh the last project they worked on together was 1990s uh, malcolm x um, but he also worked on uh, Spike Lee's first feature-length film, She's Got a Habit, from 1986. Um, yeah, which actually got a two-season remake a few years ago. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. I might check it out at some point. And um, they, they met because they both went to the New York University uh, Tisch School of Arts at, at NYU. And... Um, Dickerson started out studying architecture, but then he switched over to Tisch. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> Dickerson has worked yeah. in the industry since, but he kind of moved on from moving uh, from, from working with Spike Lee to his own directorial debut with uh, Juice, starring um, Tupac. And uh, Blind Faith is it's a, a black lawyer drama about a wrongly accused black man. And then he went over to mostly TV at the moment where he did a couple of episodes of The Wire. He did uh, nine episodes on Dexter. He did 11 on Walking Dead. Most of them actually in the really boring season two, which yes, 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 I did see all of Walking Dead. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of person. <laughs> I've seen it so all. So you're one of the like the seven people who watch who still season watch it. two. I think most people skip it and they just read the log lines and what happened on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I actually recommend doing that uh but he he did some strong episodes some season and mid-seasons finale of that show and they are usually more a little bit more action-packed there's actually stuff going on mm. uh really good and he's currently doing bosch a season a, a show i've heard about a couple of times but just never sparked my interest enough but um good to know he's still working you know all right yeah. so Let's 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 look into do the right thing. Let's look at to do the right thing and the cinematography because it's it's a great film to delve into and to start out on, uh, to, uh, with the cinematography because it's so, so unconventional. Um, so what is special about do the right thing and its production is that it is shot chronologically. Lachlan, why why is that special? Why is it special to shoot a film chronologically? Um, uh, it's really expensive. Uh, yeah. to do um, but it's really rare I mean there's only a couple directors that that kind of want to shoot chronologically a lot of the time I mean it's a choice really but I mean uh, it, 
is it is there a reason why he did it? But I, the, the, it's special because it's really expensive to do. Yeah, because usually but you is would, there a reason you why would just go to a location, and then you would shoot everything, and then you move on because you only have the location for a period of time. Right? It gets more expensive, especially when you no. shoot uh, like Spike Lee on actual location. On natural location, yeah, uh, they actually uh, yeah. shot at Bedford. With ah, uh, fuck, it's the word again. <laughs> oh no, the nightmare returned. But he actually shot in that neighborhood, and he he transformed like the the streets, and he they painted like murals and uh, painted the walls and everything. Uh, Interesting. So that enabled them because they had access to that uh, that location for the period of the whole movie. They were able to. Uh, shoot the whole thing chronologically, which you usually don't do, right? You do all the scenes uh, at in one place, and then you move on. I mean, if you've got a whole street, I see. I don't see why. I mean, if he if he has the street, shooting it chronologically, kind of. Mm, I mean, it wouldn't make sense, but I mean, you can just move up and down because I I think some of you uh, people who haven't seen this film, or if you've just watched the film in the five second period that we yeah. gave you, because obviously you did. Um um um. Uh, this entire film takes uh, it takes place over one day. Yeah, one mm-hmm. day. Um, so it, it, it and I think it's something that I think uh, Spike Lee loses is that when he has a smaller sized film, he can really get a lot of themes crunched in there. But once he moves up in scale, especially with uh, *The Five Bloods*, his recent one, which I think was probably his biggest scale movie so far, you do lose oh, that dense <laughs> yeah, theme. Um, but no, I, I think that. Since he's got this street, I think he's probably like, "Fuck it, let's let's do this. Let's let's go up here, then go down there, and then come back up here again." Why the fuck not? Yeah, uh, that's that's such a important thing because that street is uh, the, the block that they are on is kind of um, a character in itself, and uh, you yeah. see it a lot when they are shooting scenes that f- things are happening in the background, and usually are like in in. In mediums and medium close-ups, you don't really go wide that much. You, you do it, uh, I think, at the mm. start maybe, and then especially at the end, right? <sighs> yeah, it just adds to the whole like atmosphere of this being so grounded and and realistic, and like uh, a street that actually people live in. And you, you, a lot of times, I was so surprised when Radio Raheem was just like walking in the background. <laughs> yeah, uh, you you would that. see characters from the previous scene walk out of. Well, you would, you would see people in the previous scene, like Radio Rahim, mm-hmm. and then it would cut back to Mookie, and Radio Rahim is literally in the background walking across that street, and it's like, holy shit, this is taking place in a cul-de-sac. Like, it's taking place in one yeah. small street. Like, there's not much, like, they're not moving around a lot. They're not going from, you know, one half of Vietnam to the other half of Vietnam in a second. It's literally down the street. Um, but no, yeah, I, I think that uh, in terms of shooting on location, if you've got that location... Yeah, why the hell not? It's yeah. it's it's small and it's it's and it, it, it builds the world a bit. Yeah, it also helps the actors uh, go through the scenes because it's so much easier when you mm. just can move on from scene to scene, which is interesting because uh, we, I think we haven't mentioned yet, but Spike Lee is kind of playing the lead in this. Uh, he's playing Mookie. Yeah, and no, he's kind Spike of a, Lee yeah, is he, the main character. He is a main character, and he's directing, writing, producing, and acting. <laughs> Holy shit, he does this it all. This man is. Like I mean, doesn't every young filmmaker have a massive ego? Like, yeah, I, guess. I mean, this is just ego feeling. Nah, nah. I mean, he does a good job. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does, he a, does a great job. job yeah, uh, it's surprising. He's surprisingly good at acting. Um, and um, yeah, it was interesting to see him in that role. But uh, what what do you think was was like the shot of the film? We already talked about that uh, one shot of uh, oh, the POV the shot. shot of the, the film. Shot. Yeah. 
if if you would have to sum up the movie in like one shot, what's your favorite? Oh Jesus, <laughs> my favorite shot. Ah, look, I. Mm-hmm. So I okay. So I think you're talking about the montage, right? Yeah, we already talked about oh, about that in um, yeah. before. Do so you, any, any you were talking about the montage. Mm-hmm. I was talking about when Radio Rahim is talking, oh, and they right. have the the love the love, love hate. uh love hate. I I think that there is the the best shot in the film because mm-hmm. one it is a, a beautiful monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, it is you know it, it it brings you into the character of Mookie in a way, um, but also you can see the cameraman in the shot and you know they could reshoot but why the hell not is a good take yeah. um you can see the shadow of the cameraman um but you know what i don't care it's still a good shot and i think that even though i know that that shot's not perfect it's still uh, in in my opinion the best shot because it engages you the most and it's not just the cinematography that gets you it's the entire scene mm-hmm. so my opinion that 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 shot there is the best one and perfectly perfect why what's yours yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. I do have to agree that I really love that shot, and it's like the one that I'm thinking about most, other than like the the, the obvious choice of like uh, being <laughs> rush, uh, racially insulted, <laughs> uh, just because it sums uh, yeah. up the whole like yeah. s- struggle of like this story, but also the larger story. Uh, I think I think it's really hard, even though I wrote down this question, I. I'm kind of questioning what I like them, what I visually like the most in this. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess the the confrontation um, towards the end with with Sal and uh, and Radio Rahim and um, uh, bugging out, bugging out, bugging out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't notice that it was actually uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito who's playing him. I, I did not know oh, that. Oh, exactly? Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, the guy from Breaking Bad. I didn't know that. Holy shit. So no surprising. Way. He doesn't oh, wow. look... He doesn't... Uh, he, I don't know. <laughs> he looks so different now. Uh, but yeah, anyway. That's crazy. I I really like that scene where they... Where, like, things just escalate uh, towards the end. And all, all of it just comes to... Um, yeah, ends up in, in, like, a big spell of, of violence from Sal who breaks Radio Rahim's uh, stereo... Stereo thing? What, what is it called? Yeah, the boombox stereo. boombox, yeah. yeah. I, I'm blanking out right now. But I do have another That's thing, right. which which would lead nicely into your thing, but I do have more things to talk about. Uh, but Go I ahead, also no, really liked, uh, the, like, the small confrontation between um, the five, like, Mexicans listening to music and Radio Rahim showing up and just ah, cranking yeah, up yeah, the music. Ah, yeah, that was good. That was good. Because, like, I don't know if you're going to touch on it, but it's just, like, him cranking up his culture, him making his culture heard through music and like the rise of Mm. of of rap and and all that is i don't know i i just really like that that scene and the way that uh he just like walks off (laughs) after that and uh the the mexican guy is just like kind of nodding so yeah all right i got you you got the bigger speaker all right you won (laughs) um but yeah uh something that has to be mentioned when talking about this film's cinematography is the angles and multiple different things uh, there. Uh, first, I want to talk about the low and high angles. W- what do you What do you think okay. about that? 
Well, obviously they're used in the sense that when you first learn about low and high angles, it's 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 like a power thing. You, yep. When you when you're in film school or if you're doing any basic cinematography, they will be like low angles on a character make them feel a bit more powerful because you can because obviously you're looking at a higher angle, and then high angles make characters look smaller, and that's just basic cinematography. And I think that's you know basic cinematography used here. Mm-hmm. Um, basic cinematography. I, I, that's my takeaway from it. Used to a T in that sense that it's like. Uh, it's it's emphasized right it's not just a high angle yeah. it's a really high angle and when it gets low yeah it goes really low right really and, and low. characters characters are just talking the, the the whole characterization of radio rahim you're always looking up on mm. him right? uh yeah you, i think there might be a shot towards the confrontation at the end where we are kind of on eye level but we are still below his his eye line we're always looking mm. looking down on him and then when he comes clashing down and he falls onto the ground dead, that's the first time that we are on top, uh, like looking down on him, uh, which is, I think mm. it's just a really powerful way of storytelling. And it's used with a lot of other characters as well, with um, <laughs> Mother Sister and the mayor as well. Like uh, he, she's always looking down on him until like he uh, goes up and gives her flowers and then kind of that dynamic shifts a bit. It's just a really visual mm. way of storytelling. And uh the way it's it's um, visualizing this uh, the the derail of like this whole thing escalating into violence is uh, for another sort of angle um, called the Dutch angle. And the Dutch angle is uh, is when you shift <laughs> the camera or when you're tilting it uh, sideways. Tilt it, yeah. Um, usually you go like forty five degrees. That's that's the, that's the, like the conventional way of going about it but what spike lee does in this or like i guess um not spike lee but but dickerson doesn't this is that it's never the same or i guess it doesn't feel the same i i, I didn't i didn't put like <laughs> some uh some tape measurements i didn't measure it but it does feel like it's it's uh going more and more to the side every time um a confrontation escalates a bit more uh but yeah there's there's a lot of great uses, a lot of characters. Every time someone's like uh, shouting and there's a back and forth, um, there's a Dutch angle, and it's really prominent. And yeah. the Dutch angle did come up in uh, most of like uh, Soviet cinema in the the sixties, the fifties, and sixties. Uh, it became big, and then it was used in a lot of noir films to like establish. <sighs> I don't know, paranoia and, and uncertainty. And then it was really used a lot in the late 80s and, and 90s action films. Uh, I think Michael Bay is still using it all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if our description of the podcast still reads uh, that we're doing like deep dives on great directors like uh, Stanley Kubrick and and um, Michael Bay. I'm not sure. <laughs> you say you just say great directors and then just said Michael Bay. I, I did put it in the same sentence. Did you just did you, just did you just did you just say great directors like Stanley Kubrick and Michael Bay? Yes, that's kind of the joke, you know. Wow. You have to be, Are you, know, you feeling all right, man? Are I'm you feeling, feeling dizzy. okay? I, I I am feeling no, a bit dizzy. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, other things I noticed was that uh, there was a lot of. Um, a lot of he- the heat is being conveyed in such a, a great way. Like <laughs> people are sweating uh, all the way through 
and uh, there's one shot in particular where the the corner boys um, that are all in front of like a, a red painted um, corner on the street just sitting and talking <laughs> about shit. <laughs> uh, mm. You can see uh, like the uh, the heat heat waves. Is it actually called that? Like you can see the sun beaming what, down. Like, oh uh, yeah, yeah. I just probably just say the. Uh, you can kind of just see how hot it yeah, is. Yeah, you can see how hot it is. I guess. Because you were using um, stuff to like heat up the, uh, the the air right in front of the camera for that. Like they really focused in on that. So when you look at the color palette in the film, um, you don't see a lot of cool tones. Like you almost see no cool tones. It's also in like uh, in the costumes. Um, it's really vivid, but there's no blue and no green. It's mostly red, orange, and and yellow. Uh, like uh, the color tone is all there. Uh, which I didn't even notice on my first watch, and when I rewatched, I, I was I was noticing that um, way more. Uh, but yeah, other than that, the, the lighting is like mostly naturalistic. Um, other than the, the the orange tint of the sound like beaming down, but it is really stylized still. But it does feel realistic in a way. I don't know how those two things work together. A realistic, realistic. And imp- um, expressionistic at the same time. It's it's weird, but it works. But that's pretty much it for cinematography. I I just I just love yeah. the cinematography in there. Yeah, and um, yeah. It's uh, I think it's basics done right, or basics done extremely well. Plus, you know, a couple extra uh, Spike Lee moments. You know what I mean? Spike Lee moments. Yeah, definitely. No, no, I, I really, uh, I really think that when you do the basics right you don't need to go too advanced and having you know i i, I i'm not really familiar with much of uh ernest's work um yeah i've watched the walking dead um not season two obviously i mean who watches season two um <laughs> but no no i've seen a couple of his i've seen a little bit of his stuff i guess uh here and there um but you know what if if you get those basics right you have the and i think Bong Ju Ho said this perfectly. He's still learning the basics. Like it's, mm-hmm. you learn yeah. the basics, you can you can make it. No, yeah, I think I think the only bit of trivia I had to add to that was the fact that you can see the cameraman in terms of cinematography within the monologue. Um, <laughs> see, I didn't even notice uh, that. There's also uh, <laughs> another funny. part. If I, I look here at the IMDb trivia, um, or the goofs as they call it. When Mookie throws the trash can through Sal's window, the reverse shot from inside the restaurant reveals the main camera, and it's in the lower left part of the screen. So, uh, no matter no matter how good really your film is, there is always going to be a goof in there somewhere. Always going to be a goof in there somewhere. Um, yeah. Cool. So you happy with uh, your talk about cinematography? I think you really nailed a lot of the, uh, especially you know Dutch angle. I think that's very Dude, prominent. Um, so much to talk about, as well as semi fourth yeah. wall breaks with the um what are they called i guess point of view shots would you call it pov shots yeah the pov shots yeah definitely right. where they yeah and they're also uh yeah. slightly at a lower angle so they're like talking right. down on you as well you want to hear me do you want to hear a little yeah. bit about uh i guess um, sound yeah. slash music in my, uh from me that sounds good that sounds cool. like a score cool. um ah, ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> Ah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, 
I'm just overreacting exactly how anyone else in this film would overreact if someone made a good joke. Um, yes. All right, cool. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about uh, – the main thing I'm going to talk about is music, um, but I'm not going to just talk about the music used in the film. I'm going to talk about music overall in the film because um, music plays a big part. And I think the best way to start off with is basically the theme of this film, and that's uh, public enemies fight the power. I mean – fight the power what yep. a tune right Dude. like i was yeah. pumping throughout this film every time radio rahim come on it was like fight the power dude i was getting into it man and you know halfway through the film um you've got people saying why the fuck do you only listen to this like one song and he's like it's a good song like, like he's not wrong it's a it's a it's a fucking <laughs> yeah. tune man mm-hmm. um i think obviously there's not really much dissecting, I have to say, why Spike Lee has decided to use Fight the Power. I mean, if you know anything about the song, if you just read the if you just read the title and you see who it's by, Public Enemy, I think you know what they're talking about, right? I think yeah. it's I think it's pretty I obvious, I think right? it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty obvious, yeah. Um, I think that's probably the first thing. I think it comes out throughout the entire film and then obviously with the climax with Radio Rahim, this peaceful protester playing Fight the Power ends up mm-hmm. dying from the power. Yeah. Um, from the power, yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard moment, man, don't you reckon? Right at the end. Uh, seeing it's, uh, Radio Rahim being choked yeah. out by this police officer. See, I, I watched it for the first time about a week ago and then I, I rewatched it just recently again for this and I didn't know that it would go there. I thought it was just focusing on the racial tensions. Mm. So it caught me really off guard and it, it seemed so out of place and unnecessary. Um, mm. oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. And and th- that just keeps happening and it, it was like, I don't know, it feels so, so timely and it feels odd that uh something like this is like the spark of of the protest going on um right now that it was just like in a movie in the in the, in the late 80s ah mm. uh, it's it's sad that it's still that, that this is still relevant um to this day yeah man the, the it leaves me a bit speechless actually <laughs> i don't know just thinking it, it's crazy to think that this is made in what 89 and it's 2020 mm. and this shit's still relevant eh? it's 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 ridiculous i think uh i don't think we should dwell on it too much um no no obviously I, yeah i i think we should continue moving on with a bit about sound because it's not only just radio rahim that this that this song is played it's actually the opening, mm, the opening of this yeah. film um, which, dude, that opening is like <laughs> it's fire. Rosie Perez dude. just like having it, dancing, dancing, <laughs> dancing boxing, life, boxing yeah. the air, dancing with no one uh, to the song "Fight the Power," and it's basically the entire song. It's like a three-minute opening credit. It's a really long opening credit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I halfway through, I was like, "Is this gonna end soon?" And then I get, I just got back into it, and then it ends. I'm like, "Oh, that's pretty sad." But I mean, dude, it's it's a it's a in terms of the opening, because it, obviously it's fight the power, but what do you think of the opening? Like, do you think it needed to be that long? Because I don't think it had to be like the entire song. It it didn't it didn't need to be, and and I was I was questioning uh, what the focus of the story was when I first watched it. Um, yeah, because it it does feel like oh we just we're watching the whole 
song we're listening to the whole song and we're seeing someone dance to it and it's like obviously mm. an expression of of their power power and power of the power and, nice. and it feels like she's punching the air in, in a way like you, mm. can, you can interpret it like uh it feels like you're punching the air and like nothing's actually accomplished nothing's happening. but you're yeah. still driven um by that and in that sense i feel like it's it's a powerful statement on its on its own um but as part of the movie uh, opening the movie that way uh it, it is a bit long you know um, um but i mean that's a really I'm immediately interesting brought takeaway. back when i see Sam, Samuel Jackson's mouth <laughs> and just like good morning oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm in um, you know? so yeah I think uh, just to finish off that uh, it's an interesting takeaway from mm. the opening I was just uh, fascinated by Rosie uh, just dancing for a good three minutes yes. um, uh, I mean, she, she can do that That's, uh, that's she's that's stunning she's, um, she is stunning uh, but other than that no moving on yeah you, you, you brought me into my next point about music um this uh, before I even introduce him, I think that we should say that there's some really interesting character names in this film. Mookie, probably one of my other favorites is Sweet Dick Willie. Um, <laughs> that's just a good one. You know, you got you got bugging out. Um, Radio Rahim is pretty cool, but my favorite character name goes to the wonderful Samuel L. Jackson, who opens up the film. He has the first uh, first lines, and those lines are obviously wake up, wake up, wake up. Um, and his name is Mr. Senior Love Daddy. <laughs> you can't tell me name. that is not a great that. name, right? Come on, man. No, I, just, um, I, just, I just want to call, call Sam Jackson Love Daddy from now on. Dude, I think, I imagine, think we should write a petition. Imagine meeting him. Mr. And Senior Love and Daddy. <laughs> yes. That's all you have you to know, do. There's a, that's just whole generations, though. Like, there's people who watch him and they only know him as... Um, Mace Windu man. in Star Wars, or yeah, yeah, mm. or even even now as as Eye Patch Man, Eye <laughs> Patch Man, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna stick with it, Eye Patch Man um, from the Marvel films, and obviously there's people who knew him when he was just doing a thousand films in the '90s, um, whether he was from Die Hard or whether he was talking about motherfucking snakes on the motherfucking plane, but there's people who know him Such from you know film. stuff like this where they're like, dude, he's just sitting in a booth, you know, every so often doing the radio and again we're talking a lot about uh musical influence now he's a dj and he's often referencing uh black artists and and black music mm-hmm. and and I, there's that one stellar and again it's it's one of those fucking spikely monologue things that just it sounds like poetry when you listen to it right yeah where he's mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. naming off black artists he's like he goes on about uh, Bob Marley. He's. It's not even going on about them. He just literally lists them, and it's almost like it's rolling off his tongue. He's like Run DMC. He's doing Whitney Houston. Uh, I'm trying to think it off the top of my head. He's like Marvin Gaye. He talks about uh, uh, Bob Marley. Um, uh, James Brown is one of them. Uh, Tracy Chapman, who is one of my favorite. I, I, you know, she's 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 awesome. She's got a great voice. Um, you know, he's talking about like you know, Janet Jackson, Louis Armstrong. These big. Mm-hmm. Stevie influence Wonder. Stevie Wonder, you know, and it's yeah. and it's like, uh-huh. holy shit, I know all these people. Um, and then he's like, uh, he he, we just want to thank you for making our lives uh, brighter um, here on We Love Radio or whatever it is. Um, yeah, that's it, it's that's crazy. Doesn't that scene? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, man. Um, 
But there's a scene between um, Mookie and and Pino in the bar. I think it ha- it happens before then when uh, Mookie like uh, yeah, 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 brings uh, yeah, Pino to the side and, and and say, "Hey, who's who's your favorite like artist? Who's your favorite movie star?" Um, and whatever. And uh, <laughs> he goes like, "Pino, do you, do you, do you want to secretly? Uh, would you like to be? Would you like to be black? You you wish yeah, you would yeah, be black, yeah. right?" And uh, him him not acknowledging that no, no those are different different people different kind of yeah no yeah people, right? pino was like he's like uh he's like they're not black and it's like what no, it's, it's he's different. like they're not really black yeah it's different yeah it's own bigotry is like uh yeah i don't know because it's like isn't it like eddie murphy and prince and i can't remember who the first one is. i think it was a baseball um, player no no baseball uh, player. Uh, magic johnson magic johnson magic johnson eddie magic murphy johnson. and prince could be and then he says nah yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm bruce springsteen all the way right um, yeah, 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 that just Boss, takes me Bruce. back to the. Uh, wait, I lost my train of thought. Never mind. <laughs> I was connecting it back to the Five Bloods. I uh, wanted to say something about that, but I, I forgot about it. <laughs> God damn it! Was it about <laughs> but, the, yeah. the 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 music artists being listed out and some of them being involved in the Five Bloods, or? Um, no, no, it was something different, but I completely lost. I'm trying to, I'm anyway. trying to re, I'm trying to re, tra- re-rail your train, man. Re, re-rain, rain. Bring your Whatever. train back into thought. No, yeah, I think uh, with Samuel Jackson being in there as a as a radio host, there's a lot of uh, obviously uh, music is a like like it's 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 not wrong to say that uh, recently in uh, at least Billboard standards, African American R and B and rap culture has really influenced music yeah don't you think recently within the past like 10 in the past decade (laughs) oh you got your train of thought back go dude go 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 before you lose it before you lose it go 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 ah fuck i forgot it again no uh no um the way that the whole like five bloods thing is about uh african-americans fighting in a war uh for the u.s um like 30 percent of the military being um being black um black people and then 10 percent of the total population of the u.s being tem- uh being black right so mm. they're fi- fighting for something uh losing their lives uh and not getting their own right their, their rights in the u.s and it feels uh similarly to them bringing so much to u.s culture but still not being uh included as such as like their whole like ethnicity it's it's mm. still just the, the, the greats and then they're kind of different in a way uh yeah. that's just i don't know it it, it it was like a throwback to <laughs> the five plots in a way because it, it's still he's still dealing with that kind of acknowledgement of of uh black people in the u.s even mm. what is it like 40 years 30 years later between what eighty nine and here, yeah, basically yeah. thirty years. Good connection. I like that. Good connection. Yeah, it was so, a bit so messy how I worded it, but but you get you, you catching my drift. You get it. You get it. The train <laughs> yeah, derailed, so obviously it's messy. You know, it's a snowpier. It's snow like the one from Black Fe- uh, from Dark Phoenix. It's like uh, some alien came down. She had to lift it up, and then you tried to put it down, but like uh, yeah, you it's can't really reference now, a movie you know? that no one saw. <laughs> <laughs> There's <laughs> like there's like seven people who are gonna who are gonna realize that. Oh yeah, Dark Phoenix. Ah, I know that scene. Ah yeah. <laughs> um, no yeah. I, I obviously 
there's been a lot of influence on the from the black community within music and you know listing all of these very famous artists um you know it, it, it's it's i think it's powerful. at times spike lee is a it's powerful but spike lee is a you know is a bit of a smart ass and he's just like you yeah, guys do yeah. know that you 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 don't you know we don't have the same rights as you but you give rights to some people who are i guess i wouldn't say white enough but white enough in quotation marks um mm-hmm. and that's what they're kind of referencing when they say um, when they, when, when, especially when, uh, Pino talks about, uh, uh, Eddie Murphy and Prince uh, and Magic Johnson, uh, these guys, uh, I guess in his eyes, uh, famous. So they're a bit whiter in quotations. You can't see it cause it's a podcast, but I'm doing quotations. Um, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense to you guys, um, cause I think that kind of makes sense in, 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 in way of describing it in terms of Pino's eyesight. Um, but no, yeah, I think I think in terms of music and um, in terms of just audio and I, I and usually you know you dissected cinematography on a technical level, but I'm dissecting music on a theme level because it's used as almost mm-hmm. a theme. Um, yeah. Because obviously there's a, you know music is used and there's you know slow jazz which is absolutely stunning in the opening and it's used throughout transitions and throughout the film. Um, and obviously there's a I, I mean obviously we've already talked about uh, public enemies. Uh, fight the power but there's also a couple of the songs and even one of them I, I saw in the credits was uh written by spike lee well at least the lyrics were by spike yeah no 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 yeah, i saw it I, I think i saw it on imdb as well earlier um yeah don't shoot me music and lyrics by spike lee um and a couple other people uh performed by take six um uh you know you know there's music is really a big powerful thing in film and you know, you, you have that one song and obviously that one song is Fight the Power and obviously you have other th- parts about music in this film. But I think uh, we, we we kind of ended the, uh, the biggest part about this film and that's Fight the Power early on in the conversation. Um, There's not really much more to talk about music in my opinion. No, it is. I don't know. It's just representing culture in a way, right? Radio Raheem yeah. bla- blasting his, his culture uh, loud and proud and... Um, confrontation with him and Sal uh just like him not letting their culture in is through the music through acknowledging um the like on the wall of fame um people of color and not just uh, Italian mm. Americans um which is interesting because there's a little fun fact uh um Shoot. Spike Lee initially wanted Robert De Niro for the part of, of Sal but I guess he ended up settling oh. putting him on the wall um yeah no but, he was on the yeah. wall wasn't he I think yeah, I, I, it was Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. Al was Pacino. It, wasn't Al on the wall as well? Um, yeah, Rocky was on oh, yeah. the wall, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, under. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I love when <laughs> sometimes it's like "fuck Frank Sinatra." <laughs> it's, it's a lie. I don't know who says it. I don't know if it's it's Mookie or whatever. <laughs> Someone just like shouts "fuck Sandra, uh, Frank Sinatra." Um, um, yeah. I guess just let's just talk about the movie a little bit more overall because I as overall what, what about that wall of fame because it, it does come back uh, towards the end it, of the film well in it, a really it is an important way. it is an important thing um, yeah I mean yeah no I mean it's probably one of the it's 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 again like the street it's a character it's yeah all of these I guess Italian American people and bugs mm-hmm. bugging out doesn't like it that much does he. He doesn't like it at all, no. All of this, all of this was caused by 
bugging out, just really not liking, not liking that wall. <laughs> yeah, it it feels so over the top the way he reacts to it. Um, like all these mm. characters react in an over the top fashion, like all the time. They always scream. They're always so angry. Um, yeah, and you get it because they're sweaty. You know, it's hot, but but it does feel kind of avoidable in like in just the circumstances with the, the the wall of fame or whatever but uh what i find really interesting is that spike lee doesn't shy away from uh portraying someone in, in cell as like a likable sympathetic person that yeah. turns out to be racist at the end not not that um not that like someone like bugging out wouldn't be on that other side uh, mm. would be racist towards other groups but uh, Incel having the power right there um, of just like making a compromise <laughs> it would just get a, uh, get rid of all the problems that they're having later on and at, at the start it, it, like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling sympathetic towards him he's saying nah it's my shop I do whatever I want here which is like yeah I get it. it it's your place you can do whatever you want with it but then as he goes on he grows more um, unli- uh, unlikable for me in a way in, in the way that he he acts sometime and he ha- he acts out he overacts and he gets angry but no, he, he always comes back he's always still rationalist he's definitely he definitely yeah. starts off as a nice guy and everyone you know because it's at first it's pedo uh who everyone hates because everyone's like oh he just he just straight up hates black people like, he just straight up yeah. hates them and and, mm-hmm. and it's con and, and obviously um sal you know he owns this shop and he's been and he's been there for, for like 25 years he said um yeah and you know he, he and he and he and you know he he does say that he's proud of the store he's like kids ate this pizza so he's very proud of this store um and I, I wanted to bring this up actually um because of the the hot weather um at first i was like is this going to be some really dumb plot point um because obviously at, at start samuel jackson is like um i have the weather i have the forecast for you it's gonna be hot, and I'm like, that's that's how I want my weather read to me every morning. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then they keep referencing how hot it's gonna be. But I realized that tension starts building the hotter it starts to get, and then it, it kind of cools down at the end of the day. It cools down, everyone mm-hmm. cools off, and then it jumps back up again at the end, obviously. Um, and and it's like Sal. Sal has this really cool head. He's keeping his cool head even when it gets super tense, like the tension rises a little bit. Um, but once it, like, I guess once it all comes crashing down, he can't really hide it anymore. And he kind of reveals, because obviously he's, Pedo hasn't just, wasn't born racist. He's obviously gotten it from his family. Yeah, um, and his friends that he mentions, right? Yeah, exactly. His friends, that's another one. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I think that, uh, uh, the rising temperature was used really well, and I thought it was dumb at first, and then I, and then it clicked to me after watching it. I was like, oh, you know what? That, that that's probably why they've that done it. it does make my, sense. That's how yeah. I've seen it. And um, then on the next day, when Mookie shows up, right, uh, and he talks to Sal, yeah. they talk about the weather. Show uh, like Sal says, yeah, Briefly. yeah, it might be even ho- hotter today, which is is kind of a, s- a subtle way of saying it's just another day here. Yeah, you know. It might seem crazy what just happened, but this is not, it's not like an isolated thing. Maybe something that we can round this whole like discussion and review out on is, uh, uh, wrap it up in that way is, uh, 
<laughs> the question is if, if Mookie did the right thing as the major yeah. uh, as the mayor I, told him to do. You know? Do you, did he do the well, right I, thing? I I think that he has he was always the if he was a chess piece, he would be the queen, always making power moves to keep the balance, I guess. Mm-hmm. trying to you know block things off i don't know it's not a really good chess analogy i'm trying to get into chess so i'm trying to make chess analogies um <laughs> um yeah mookie is always like trying to play the good guy on both sal and bugging out he's always like hey dude stop being an idiot but then they do that that sick like handshake that they do um even after they've had like a slight disagreement um yeah i in my opinion I think Muhi did the right thing because at the end of the day, you know, he lost Radio Rahim. And look, if someone protests like Radio Rahim did peacefully and then his sole possession is, you know, crushed, yeah, you know what, I'll give it to him. He he, he does have the ability, he does have the right to just, you know, lose his shit and get mad because that is his, you know, fight the power. Yeah. But um yeah, you know, in to answer your question, yeah, I do think he did the right thing. What about you? What do you think he did the right thing? Uh I it's a hard question to to answer because uh no, yeah. looking at that question, it kind of um it, it puts in the 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 moral of this character into into the middle of the conversation cuz like obviously this film when it came out, it uh got a lot of buzz, but it doesn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of buzz for the film that it is, the way that it tackles things, it's more like, yeah. oh, this is gonna cause some riots, and uh, that's something yep. that hasn't changed, right? We we had it most prominently with a Joker last year, uh, yeah. that they were like, oh yeah, this is gonna cause a lot of destruction and violence, um, and it obviously didn't, because um, like anyone who's <laughs> seen it, <laughs> yeah, would uh, get that that's not the point. The point of rioting uh, and like getting angry is if if like injustices keep happening. It wasn't the the like uh escalating situation that they had in, within the neighborhood it was it was the police that came in um so for for Muki to throw the trash trash uh been into the into the pizza parlor is is just um i guess i would I would say he did the right thing there as well um mm. but i don't know it's it's hard to say cuz like that's at the end of the day, it's not really the, the point of the story, um, even though it is like um, do the right thing. See, the interesting thing is, uh, do the right thing is the, the the inspired name for this film is is taken from a Malcolm X quote, which is interesting right. because like doing the right thing is actually taking action and uh, doing something violent I, I don't know if it's violent I guess it, it is violent it's a violent act <laughs> if you ride yeah. and destroy a window window yeah I don't know see I had I had something I had something in my mind before I answered this question but then I I kind of went back and forth in my mind as well wait give, give me a second to think give me, I'll cut this up but give me a second to think okay so while Ewan thinks about his answer um I think I should up. I I should bring up the Lachlan's favorite moments. So yes. two of my favorite moments are kind of comedic, I guess, but it's the fuck Mike Tyson moment with the uh, the three guys who sit on the side of the street. And he's like, I remember when he robbed that lady on the corner. I found that so funny. I found that hilarious. I think it's one of the funniest things. 
The other one was when the everyone's playing on the street with the uh, the water with the uh, fire hydrant, and that white guy comes in the car, and then obviously they they get all the water on him, and he wants to make a complaint to the cops, and the cops are like, "All right, did you get their names?" And he's like, "Did I get their names? Mo and Joe Black." And the police officer are like, "So they're brothers." <laughs> I couldn't. I, I I was laughing so hard when the police officer was like, "So they're brothers," and I was like, "Ah, that's that's good. That's fucking good." Yeah, um, pretty clever. Yeah. That's that's a that's a fucking funny moment. And then there's a lot of moments like that where I'm like, "That's funny. Like that's a good funny moment." Um, <laughs> that is pretty funny. Yeah. Right. Again, again, any time when it was uh, Samuel L. Jackson, especially when at the start when he was like, "It's going to be hot." Again, that, that was funny. Uh, but yeah, no. Do you have you have you? How, how was your train of thought? What do you think? I mean, the the, the derailed train of my thoughts is not going to get back on track. But uh, I just jumped into a plane, and now I guess I'm trying to be the sully and try to land it without it crashing. Um, yeah, I guess. The, the the question that I was that I was uh, like debating over in my mind is is Mookie a like moral compass as a character because I do think he's set out to be that way uh, for, mm. throughout most of the film but then we realize he's actually kind of a dumb idiot himself right he yeah. he does some dumb shit uh, as everyone is nobody's perfect yeah. and um this film is is a racial commentary it's not taking uh, a particular stance it's kind of just illustrating the facts like it even ends on a quote by martin luther king followed by a quote by malcolm x one of them yeah. advocating against violence and one of them kind of advocating for it like calling violence if it's self-defense not violence but intelligence um yeah and uh, th- that's why i'm debating it all the time because uh, the approach taking to a situation like this i mean we see it nowadays as well like with, with what's going on right now uh, what what sense do you take obviously i would advocate for for non nonviolence but it, it, mm. uh i i get that it feels frustrating and that it it doesn't um doesn't take us anywhere if it's not like some action taken it feels like uh someone died in vain if we just move on from radio rahim's death uh and, mm. and nothing nothing happens from it right yeah uh so yeah i'd say he did the right thing he did the right thing because they ended up what ended up happening is they destroyed um cells cells pizzeria pizzeria and he's gonna mm. get insurance for it and what i think is funny is after that you hear on the radio uh from from uh lovely <laughs> from a lovely love daddy uh he says that the mayor is concerned about um property being uh destroyed but mm. he doesn't even mention radio rahim right yeah Pol- police brutality i thought that was so powerful it's such a like little thing that you might not notice on because it feels yeah that's that that's what you take away it's a million dollars uh in fucking destruction costs and and that's gonna be pay- has, uh, the government has to pay for that but you don't focus on the life that's been lost mm. um he did the right thing. <laughs> Let's just call it that. But I am, I am open for discussion. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, I think talking about the end of the film is a good way of kind of probably ending this podcast. What do you think? Really? The I, end I think, of the film? I think, I the think, end of the podcast? Yeah, man. What a, what a, what a way to end this, uh, this podcast. I, uh, I think uh, I, I realized something um, 
We keep calling these spikely films. We need to actually call them spikely joints. That was the way he spikely that's the joints. Way spike- yes, definitely. Yeah, no, we've roll I'd them, like smoke to them, and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does call yes. them. Yes, <laughs> I think we should apologize to anyone who got mad over the period of listening to a podcast and thinking, "Why are they calling it spikely movies? It's spikely joints." Anyone who who cares about joints, they're usually pretty chill. You know? Yeah, they're pretty chill. <laughs> so, so, um, no, yeah. Uh, do you have any closing statements or? Are, are you happy with what you said so far? No, I'm <laughs> mostly happy, you know. Uh, mostly happy. But uh, I do want to announce our next film for Roll That Again, which will come out in two weeks. Oh, We are doing yes. something really happy, uh, a movie we both haven't seen um, yet. We're doing The Iron Giant from, is it from Brad Bird? Actually, yeah, Brad Bird, yeah. Yes. He's working at Disney now. Let's just check that while we keep talking. I'm totally not looking at it. And it no, says director Brad Bird. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Wait, did my yeah. Australian internet outbeat your Swiss internet? No, I wasn't oh typing God. it. Oh, okay, cool. I thought that was, I was a bit confused there for a second. Well, no, he, uh, he obviously uh, wrote and did he also direct The Incredibles? I don't know. He he did uh, yeah, yeah. a few of like the best. He also did Ratatouille, uh, arguably two of the best um, Pixar films. So really looking forward to that, watching that for the first time. We haven't agreed agreed upon who's doing what category and what we're looking at in that film, but um, stay tuned for that. It's also an ever-growing uh, podcast, though, however, I think we should say. Um, With, we uh, might not like this format. Uh, yeah, we're, in terms of how we do these podcasts, we're still trying to figure out what to how, how we want to structure it. So the format Give might change time. a little bit, but um, mm. yeah, no, uh, we're happy for some feedback, criticism, uh, oh, yeah. uh, just don't hurt our feelings too much. <laughs> oh no! If you leave a review, please, please make it five stars, even if you don't like it. It helps us <laughs> a lot. I mean, <laughs> if you absolutely hate it, give it four. Four is okay too, but but not not below four, please. Um, but yeah, check us out on our socials. There, link below. Um, mm. I guess the most prominent. Uh, Social media that I would shout out for me would be Letterboxd, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. uh, we have an Instagram. We also have a Twitter if you want to keep up to date with um, with the movies that we're watching and uh, the, the next movies that we're going to be covering on the podcast. And mm. uh, let's cut the show. Let's cut the reel. Uh, get out. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> the um, movie's done. The showing's done, okay? We rolled it sweet. again. It's over. We're at the end of the film reel. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Good ending. Good ending. No, definitely that was not uh, a bad way of ending it, but I'm not going to say that was the best way of ending it. Don't you be offended. Any, do I, I'm do I have really not offended. Okay, do you want to hear a I'm good way I'm the opposite of, of offended. I'm not hear, angry. Do you want to know the best way to end a podcast? Ready? (laughs) Dude, I'm waving. You can't see it. I'm waving goodbye. (laughs) 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 No one knows, but I'm waving goodbye. I wonder if I can get the... Hang on. I'm going to see if I can get the air to go past. You probably won't be able to hear it on the RTX version. Hang on. I'm flapping as well. Oh, I can hear it. Oh, sweet. You can hear me. Okay. That's me waving goodbye. Fuck, I, I can okay. see the, the waves coming in as I'm doing it. Interesting. It feels All like right. a workout. <laughs> but anyway, that's a podcast. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm pressing. I'm pressing stop.